This is the Blue Cloud Podcast, empowering the entrepreneurial lifestyle with insights on the leading trends in the mobile and digital landscape, turning ideas to empires. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's Carter Thomas coming to you live. I'm in Europe right now, traveling around, having a great time, and I just managed to catch one of my really, really good friends in San Francisco. He's actually uh, a roommate of mine, a former roommate of mine, and I also shared an office with Ed for many years now all over San Francisco. And I called Ed because Ed is working on one of the coolest projects uh, that I've seen in San Francisco. Now I've got to be fully transparent here. I'm an investor in this company, so you know, for, for fully, fully uh, making sure everyone knows that. But I still do really believe in the company. I still, the growth that this company is having is astronomical. And what's really relevant and cool about this is that it's all based on a mobile platform. It's all started on iOS and it's it's scaling on iOS and using the web to fuel that. Now Ed. Has a, has a really good track record, which you'll hear about, but he started in the advertising world and then he moved and he built a, an online social network for music uh, on, on Facebook, which he exited. And then he slowly started to build this new product called Coptis, which allowed people to share music. That evolved into what is now called Merch Bar, which is the product that we talk about a lot of. Ed is a brilliant writer. He's a DJ. He is has been featured on GigaOM. You know, he's worked with Red Bull. He's just he's constantly being featured on all these extremely high caliber publications that many people outside of Silicon Valley may know, may not know. But he rolls with a very, very smart and high caliber crowd. And so I feel very fortunate to be able to share this conversation with you guys and also to call Ed my friend and business partner. I think you're gonna get a lot of really great information about this. Ed is one of the hard, hardest working people I've ever met and his results show that. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ed Aiton. Learn, implement, succeed. The Blue Cloud Podcast with Carter Thomas. Ed, welcome to the show. Yes, Carter. Thanks so much for having me. I was just thinking, this is probably the longest you and I will ever communicate in one stretch in the last <laughs> two years, even though we worked right next to each other for those two years. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it, Carter. I hope uh, I hope you <laughs> hope you brought something good for me. You're you're great over you're great in five minute increments. Um, I'm looking forward to <laughs> looking forward to a little more. Oh man, yeah, me too. I mean, the, the feeling is is mutual. So this is great. Uh, I'm super pumped about this. We got a bunch of good questions, and there's a lot of great information about what you've been up to and what you're you know what you're planning on doing. And I always like talking about where people come from and w what brought them to where they are now. And for you, you grew up in St. Louis or right outside St. Louis, and then you went to college in New Hampshire. And then after college, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did you go straight to San Francisco? No, I actually uh, spent about four years in New Hampshire uh, working for a company that managed clinical trials for pharmaceutical companies. Oh, okay. So, talk about uh, talk about you know out of left field, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I did immediately after school. 
what what got what caused you to to move to the bay well i mean it had always been something that had been kind of interesting to me in the abstract you know i mean even you know we're now talking this is 10 years ago i've been here 10 years now um, you know, startups were nothing like they are now. There was like, there wasn't this cultural like movement, you know, Facebook was, you know, tiny, still only in a few colleges at that point. Um, you know, Hacker News existed, Y Combinator was out there, except Y Combinator was actually in Cambridge at the time. They hadn't moved to the Bay Area yet. But still, like, there's this like energy and like idea of, you know, going to California that I think the Red Hot Chili Peppers have turned into like, you know, 12 different albums. Um, but, uh, you know, this like, you know, this amazing kind of, you know, energy and draw that I just kind of knew in the abstract. And I actually, um, I was fortunate to have, uh, my dad actually did pre-med at Stanford and um, took me out to the Bay Area for a trip uh, after college. And, you know, I got to see Stanford. I got to see San Francisco. I had my dad do this amazing nerd tour where we drove to like the headquarters of all the big companies. We like drove to one infinite loop to see Apple and we drove to see Google and we drove to see like all these, all these companies that were here. And I just, I mean, I, I fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, it's funny cause I, I'd lived close to my dad at the time. And I, I told him when we were on the plane on the way back, I was like, dad, like bad news. Like I am moving to San Francisco <laughs> and, a few, you know, it, it took about a year, but uh, packed, packed up and moved out. And it's really, you know, just the energy. And, you know, I mean, you don't hear a lot of people talk about it, but the history, too. You know, it really wasn't that long ago that, like, literally, like, you know, you watch these documentaries, like Palo Alto was like fruit farms. Mm. And then out of nowhere, you know, this, this entire, like, tech thing happened. And it's all still here and you can see it. And it's, uh, it's just a really exciting place. And that's what... Uh, that's what made me, you know, come here was seeing it, feeling the energy, you know, meeting some of the people and uh, realizing I had to make it happen. Totally. I remember being out there at, right after college, around 2007, and it, it, there was definitely a, a shade of that wild, wild west feeling where you walked around and people were just, it was the weirdest, craziest, funnest place. And just, you, you just had no idea what was going to happen. And it was so exciting to, to see that you know, the beginning of, of that tech revolution. Um, it's, it's so true. And the, the energy and the people, uh, are just, you know, it's contagious. And that's why when we met, I don't know if you remember, we met, we had a Skype call. You were in Maine, I think. Mm -hmm. And I, I talked to you for about five minutes. I was like, okay, you're moving to San Francisco. Like this guy should be here. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it is. It's a. It's just a, a feeling about it, and a, and a network and a community. Uh, as it's goods and bads, you know. But it's uh, it's an amazing place to be. When you got there, uh, I believe you were working with an ad or advertising agency, and then you started a company called Swift FM. How did how did you or what's the story behind Swift FM and then specifically how did you start and build that while you were working a full time job? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the honest answer is it was you know it was brutal. I mean, it was brutally exciting, but also just you know brutal amounts of work. So when I moved to San Francisco, I knew I wanted to get into tech. But I, you know, I had skills and had done things in tech, but I'd never worked in like tech proper, right? I'd worked in clinical trials. So I actually found this, this agency that was doing interactive work in healthcare. So it actually was a really good fit in that I could, 
kind of bridge both of those two worlds and I, I thought take a step, you know, closer to startups. Um, it ended up actually being a really wonderful job, um, kind of a trial by fire thing where, you know, there's this whole new category of, you know, iPhone apps, 3D animations, websites that, you know, that pharma was using to communicate with doctors and patients and things like that. And it was really like a world there weren't that many companies with a ton of expertise in. And I was able to, you know, rise really quickly and, and be able to, you know, basically become the interactive agency of record for several brands at Genentech, which is a, a major, you know, biotech company out here. Um, and I had wonderful clients, was able to build a wonderful team and built an unbelievable amount of work for myself. <laughs> um, I was just working all the time. Um, but, you know, I just had this like, this feeling of, you know, I'm, I frequently had friends asking me for music recommendations, um, you know, asking me about this new band. And I, you know, usually didn't know. It's kind of funny. It was like all these people thought I was like the music guy, but I, I would always like look to other people to ask them what was going on. And I was like, hey, we should just like, we should build a service that helps people like actually listen to the music that, they're, that their friends are listening to. And this, I mean, this idea, like you have to realize this is like four, three years before Spotify launches in the U.S. Um, that we first started working on this. I mean, this is like the time that Twitter, like in its first versions, is taking off. I mean, it, it's it's crazy to think this is right now. It's like seven years ago, eight years ago. But I mean, it was a, the internet was completely different then, um, and it seemed like this, you know, huge opportunity and. You know, loving music and loving artists, we decided we were going to start, you know, working on this thing. We weren't going to charge for it. We weren't going to have advertising. We were going to try to build the network. And we saw all these other networks being um, being built with huge value. And I basically called a, a high school buddy. Uh, actually, I mean, we, we chatted. But basically, the entire company, we chatted um, in Gchat. This is before Slack. So we Gchatted for the entire company and uh, just started building. And the, the way I managed it was... Hiding it from my boss until we hit the front until we hit the front page of TechCrunch, and he, I'll never forget. He calls me into his office, and he, he's this like amazing French guy, like amazing creative dude. And he's like, "What is this Swift FM?" <laughs> <laughs> and I and I realized at that point, you know, I was going to have to tell him what was going on. Um, and I remember a year later, uh, Apple, you know, not a year, it's probably actually like six or eight months later because it wasn't a full year because it was about a year into the company that I ended up leaving to work on it full time. But it's like six or eight months later, Apple launches Ping. And again, he calls me into his, his office because Ping is supposed to be this like social network for music. And he's like, so now you have Apple as a competitor. <laughs> <laughs> and he just wanted me to do my work. Yeah. Um, and really, I mean, the answer, the answer to how I balanced it was I didn't. I worked too much. Um, I probably, you know, neglected, uh, you know, uh, relationships. Uh, it, was, it was an overwhelming uh, thing that I was trying to do um, that, uh, that was not sustainable. And uh, it did not sustain yeah. Um, ended up, ended up, uh, you know, this definitely wasn't the thing that ruined the relationship, but it definitely didn't help. Um, ended a relationship, ended up leaving that job to be able to work on Swift FM full time. Um, and it was really only in the period after Swift FM that I really like, you know, you know, I love a good grind, you know, I love working hard. Um, but you know, realizing like, you know, you have to take care of yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if you're the kind of person that wants to do this for your entire life, 
like if this is you, like you need to come to terms with like, okay, like if I still want to have friends, if I still want to have, um, you know, important, you know, valuable, meaningful relationships, then I need to, you know, also get that on the priority list. Mm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's how I made it work, uh, through the end, but it really wasn't until after Swift FM, I was able to get the perspective on, you know, exactly how much time I was spending and how much mental power, you know, it was hard to sit and it still is. It's something I fight with all the time. It's hard to sit and like, you know, in the middle of the day, talk to people about things that aren't work because it's a, it's a, it's a drive. It's a passion. Um, it can also be an obsession. Um, and you know, recognizing that trying to balance that is something I'm still, you know, working really hard on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a, that's a good point. And I think that for all the listeners who have never met you, which is probably almost all of them, uh, I cannot stress enough how Ed is one of the hardest hustlers you will ever meet. And for him to say that, you know, it's good to balance means for the average person, like only working 80 hours of like incredible focus. So I just want to put a little perspective out there for, for everyone. Uh, well, well, I mean, part of that though is like, I mean, I really do love what I'm doing. Like, I mean, like, I really mean it, like what I do. So I don't really do other things for fun. Like I run, but like if I have time on the weekend, like I want to dig back into merch bar because that's fun and it's exciting. And I don't really like, you know, I'll go to the movies but as, but like to really just like to be with my friends or something. Mm. Um, you know, and that's how, you know, that's how I make it happen. Like I don't really it's not, I'm not like the cool person that's like, oh yeah, I don't watch TV. It's more of the, more of the issue like, oh, well, if I'm going to watch TV, I also want to like work on some of this stuff because there's so much cool work to be done. Mm. Um, so, how I don't did, know. How did the, <laughs> once Swift FM uh, phased out and you, you, you know, that ended, what did the next year look like? Because uh, I know for myself, that's, right around when I met you is kind of during that post Swift FM phase. And from a external standpoint, it seemed like you were going to New York like every day almost <laughs> and then coming back. And not on top of that, you were, you were meeting all these people. And I came to San Francisco and I was like, man, this guy, Ed is just his full-time job is just to meet people. Not, not just people, but specifically a lot of people in the music industry and it seems like that really led to what the next project would be. And so a lot of people that I've met who have had exits, you know, not necessarily big exits, just they sell an app portfolio or whatever, they're, they immediately dive into the next app project or they dive into the next thing. Mm. What did you learn with, with that post-Swift FM period experience? Yeah, man. I learned so much. I'll try to make it. I'll try to make it brief and helpful. I mean, I think, you know, the the first thing was, you know, plans are like very, very difficult to make, like years and years in advance. And really, all I knew was, I wanted to. I wanted to start another company. I wanted to. I wanted to continue being an entrepreneur. I knew I did not want to work in the music industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew that I did not want to go back into pharma and I didn't really know much other than that. Like I knew that there was a lot of opportunity out there, but I didn't know what the right thing was for me. And one of the things, you know, that gave me insight into maybe I am just like addicted to working 
was, you know, I start working on all these different projects. I actually started working on a, on a, on a VC fund, raising capital for a VC fund um, that we ended up, you know, not moving forward on, but was super helpful and really influential in terms of helping me build my network and helping um, solidify the, uh, the ideas and connections that would end up getting us to Merch Bar. Um, but it was really the sock company. It was, it was really the sock company that made me realize, like, maybe I am addicted to working as opposed to, uh, as opposed to, like, really, like, addicted to doing meaningful things. I had this idea for a, a, a mail-order sock company. Um, the hack was we were going to use media mail to do cheap shipping uh, because everything would be mailed with a vintage vinyl record. And I got about two, I got about two weeks into this. And I actually, I need to look up this woman because I met this, this, uh, I had a friend introduce me to an entrepreneur that he knew that was in the fashion industry. And this woman sits down and she's like, within five minutes, it was just one of those moments where like, you are clear, you know, you're just so close. You can't see what you're doing. And she looks at me and she's like, Ed, she's like, I know I don't know you. I know I just met you. She's like, this is not going to make you happy. She's like, this is what, she's like, this is one of those businesses that as it gets bigger, it gets less fun and not more fun. And I walked, I walked home from that meeting and was like, what are you doing? And, you know, like realized like, okay, we need to take a step back here and, 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 and really like, you know, look at the big picture and see like why you're doing the things you're doing. And that really helped me like, you know, actually in, in the things that helped me create Merch Bar. Because afterwards I went and started talking to a lot of different people on my ideas and getting feedback back on them and building things to show them and really, you know, launching and relaunching and starting that like grind of, oh, I think there's a need here. Is, is it, is it this? And then creating a way to, to prove or to test, you know, with people like, is this actually what they need? Um, and it was really a, you know, it was, it was probably a year long process, um, maybe even longer between, you know, that moment that I was like, you know, had the, had the, 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 the horrible realization about the, the pathetic sock company <laughs> that I was thinking about. And between like, you know, that and like Merch Bar was like a real thing. We knew what we were doing. We knew where we were going. We knew the, you know, the need and opportunity in the market. Um, and it was through like, you know, it wasn't through like getting hit on the head with an apple. It wasn't through, you know, one, you know, just like one insight. It was through many conversations and building a lot of things that were simple, simple things, but building things to show people, getting their feedback, meeting new people, using that to understand better what's going on in the market and, uh, and get to a place where you can actually, you know, take this thing and say, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's where we're going. We know X, Y, and Z. And that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to make this happen. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's what it, it's kind of how it ended up shaking out. The, that idea of, if this grows, will will you like it more? I think that that is such a such an incredible insight to have for an entrepreneur because it's so easy to just look at the things that you like about growth and forget about all the things that you don't like about growth. You know, problems grow just as fast as revenue grows, and having that thoughtfulness and that foresight to to step back and say, okay, if all of this multiplies, am I still fired up about it? Uh, that makes all the difference, and and that allows people to scale. I think. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's, you know, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about like, what, do, what shouldn't we do? What don't we want to do? And I think that, you know, as, 
as things get bigger and as you know, you start building up, you know, whether it's an app portfolio, you start building a company, you start hiring people, or you start, you know, raising and deploying capital. Like thinking about the things that make what you're doing better, and making sure that the there that you're driving towards is meaningful and important and valuable um, is is so key. And I, you know, I don't think it's important. You know, you don't want to overthink it. But like, it's really important to take a step back, and I think that as you know, the person driving the ship, like that's like the, you know, that's like a key thing to keep focusing on. And maybe fun is you know a, a, a one metric, but like thinking about where things are going, um, and not just realizing like, okay, well, I you know I, I worked eight hours yesterday and ten hours today, I'll just have to go twelve tomorrow. Like realizing the way things change as companies evolve is uh, is key. And then you. So you after or in the process of going through this you know kind of daily surveying of of what you want to be doing merch bar which was then named cop this was was born this idea of banned merchandise is a broken marketplace how do you solve that uh, for a variety of reasons and i yeah. guess a, a two part question how did at what moment did you say, okay, we need to do this? Like, what, what was the conversation or what was the thought process that said, this is the time we need to solve this problem? And secondly, how did you attract the, the initial people, uh, which we can talk about, but how did you get people to see the same problem that you saw? Yeah. Well, you know, it was a long process. And the, the short version of it is we started with an app uh, that – I, you know what? Let's just do the let's do the medium version because it's it's kind of I think it's it's interesting and hopefully hopefully your your audience will find it interesting too. Yeah. So I have this company Swift FM. It's a social network for music. It has blown up in hip hop. Um, you know, we're like the number three thing in music on Twitter. We've got the Roots and Questlove are tweeting about us every day and driving people to our tribe. We've got a tribe called Quest and like all these amazing users, Alyssa Milano, Lindsay Lohan are using the site. And as part of this, like I'm in, I'm, I get in the hip hop world. I start meeting these artists. I start going to their shows. And especially in hip hop, you know, especially in like real hip hop, uh, you know, not like the flashy bling hip hop, but like the Roots, you know, I would go to shows, I'd be backstage, I'd be the only white guy there. And I think it's a reasonable assumption, but it happened to me all the time, where people would say, like, say to themselves, or they must have said to themselves, like, oh, white guy backstage, he must work at a label, I should give him my demo. <laughs> so I was getting tons of demos. <laughs> and I stopped, I ended up, like, I stopped trying to correct people, because it's like, what am I getting, like, come on, it's loud, we're at a show, like, what am I going to say, no, like, keep your CD, like, I'll take the CD, thank you. Um, and I thought, like, hey, you know, this idea, like, handing each other CDs is kind of dated. Like, I don't even own a CD player. I have a MacBook Air. I don't own a car, so I don't have a CD player in there. I don't have, like, an iOS sound system like I used to have in junior high. Like, I, I have no way to actually even listen to this. So had this, you know, realized this need, built this really simple app that allowed you to, if you're in the same place with someone, share music with them. So either through SoundCloud or through MP3s that you've, uh, that you've uploaded. And that was the app that was originally called Cop This. Hmm. And we, you know, I, I rolled it out to some friends. And actually, it's funny, I keep threatening that we're going to, like, you know, make it again. Because it was actually super fun. And, we, you know, it would show, like, where you were when you, you know, discovered that song, who gave it to you, you know, a 3D kind of map of, you know, where, where it was. And every time you played that song, you were tied to that experience of getting it. Um, and it was fun. It was, it was growing virally. And it was, you know, it had legs to it. And 
I then randomly met the owner of the Cincinnati Reds, who <laughs> basically I was at a I was at a Red Bull party for the America's Cup, and I ended up talking to this guy, talking to a couple people on his team, and he ends up inviting me to the game. I end up going to the game, and at the at the end of the game, someone looks over me and they're like, "Hey, Ed, that app you've got, like, why don't you use that to sell merch?" I was like. Oh, now it's like now we now I see a business here, mm. and I walked home, and that was the moment that I was like, oh, there is a business here, there is a need for fans wanting to buy merch, um, a bad experience, especially I mean, so sports is bad, but music is much worse. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's I won't go into it, but it's it's, it's a huge you know huge opportunity there, and I called uh, called my buddy John Hecker, who'd been involved with Swift FM. And a big music guy, and we're like, oh my God, let's go do this. And it wasn't actually until later we go, we spend a few months, we start doing deals, we start actually running our first kind of campaigns of selling merch at events through through this app that knows where you are. So you turn it on and knows where you are, you can buy merch. Um, we actually had uh, one of our partners say like, hey, like I, I want to do this, but I don't want to give you just like two artists. He's like, I want to give you all my merch. He's like, and you should get everyone's merch because they won't they won't work with me because I'm their competitor. But like, there should be one place to buy merch, and that to me was like a like a retail pitch of like an aggregator. But what I instantly like, I mean, it hit me like being run over by a semi was there is a marketplace here. There is totally fragmented supply difficult experience, limited data. I mean, all these like classic things you hear of like marketplaces in like 04, right? Like when you have all the travel marketplaces or the, you know, the, the Ebays of the world, right? I mean, this is like OG internet stuff and there's one still sitting here. And I just like freaked out and was like, oh my God, there's a marketplace to build here. And, and from then on, that has been like our complete focus is aggregating supply, pulling together demand, and really like building a marketplace that helps both of those sides interact better with each other through through our platform. I mean, just to get nerdy about it. Like that's that's like the, you know, that's like the core activity that we do. And that's that's how we found it was, you know, really this like, you know, multi-step project of like, oh, people wanna people wanna share music together in person by hand. Oh, they should be able to do that with an app. And then wait a minute, there's other like in-person problems that are bigger, like buying and selling merch. And then wait a second, there's a problem even larger than that, which is, you know, it's actually very hard to discover and buy merch anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can solve that with a marketplace. And that's, I mean, that story is probably over the course of almost two years. Um, but grinding, building, testing, meeting people and, um, you know, driving towards that, uh, that, you know, that, that kind of core small idea. You got to dig, dig to find the, dig to find the diamond. Yeah, absolutely. And Merch Bar, uh, or I should say Cop This, then Merch Bar started as an app project and then it evolved into web and app. Um, web, I should say web, mobile web, and native app. I guess those are kind of three silos in a lot of ways. And all three of them have had unique benefits to the business for a variety mm. of reasons. Uh, can you speak briefly on what some of the pros and cons of the web is and then some of the pros and cons of just having a native ios app yeah oh man um there's so much i mean i'll start with ios first actually um ios is just this amazing just like beast of 
like its own world. Like even though now, you know, we still have deep linking, we, you know, or we now have like deep linking, we now have, you know, all these other kind of discovery mechanisms and things like that, but it still like exists in its own kind of ecosystem. And, you know, that's bad news. If you don't know the ecosystem, you don't know how to play it. And I know all your listeners know this, but the, you know, the good news is, is that when you figure out a way to add value to the ecosystem or your interests are aligned with the people that are creating or managing the ecosystem, there is like unbelievable opportunity to actually, uh, you know, to, to, to have wins there. So, you know, we very early on knew we wanted to release iOS first um, before Android, before web even. We only had web available for sharing product pages. Uh, and we did that because, you know, we felt strongly about the the opportunity, the ecosystem, the things that it would allow us to do with a, a very small team, right, building on the SDKs, things like that, the ability to create like a, a, a very different customer experience than the other things that had been out there previously. Um, and, and, it, and it delivered, right? I mean, that's what we were able to do. And in return, you know, we've been very fortunate to be featured by Apple. I mean, we've... I mean, we stopped counting. I mean, we'll call it 40 times, but, you know, I don't know how to count. You know, we've been on the front page of the, the music section and the shopping section now for, you know, three or four weeks. Um, and, you know, that kind of support um, and that kind of, you know, distribution is, is very, very meaningful. It's, it's meaningful to us today, um, almost two years in. It was incredibly meaningful to us on day one. You know, launching on the front page of the App Store during, you know, the, the holiday season, um, as a as a you know mobile commerce app is like, you know that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. So you know that that distribution those things have been fantastic, and you know the, the the tools that are provided to you, you know some of them are really powerful. I mean, we've seen Apple Pay, and we've we've communicated this number publicly. You know we've seen Apple Pay increase conversions by two x. I mean I can't wait for it to come to the web. But it's going to be on iOS first because it's, you know, it's easier for them. They have more advantages there. Like, great. I love building in building native because we have those, you know, those types of things we can do. So mm. I think that's that's kind of the take, you know, on native, which as a as a commerce app is, you know, a little different. And, and it probably would be I'd probably feel differently if we were in a space that was maybe more, um, you know, competitive. There are not a lot of, you know, music merch retailers out there. Mm. Uh, there just aren't that many. And, and music's incredibly important to Apple. We knew that. Um, and, you know, they've been amazing to, uh, amazing to work with. I think, you know, the flip side of that is the web is amazing and, and challenging because it, it's still, you know, sort of the Wild West. I mean, you have these huge distribution players now, like, you know, the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, but, you know, you really just kind of like, you know, set your stake out there and have to figure out like what you're doing and you can do anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's that can be both a positive and a negative, especially when you're just starting out because, you know, your numbers can be very small. You can not, you know, not know what you're doing. And I think, you know, the way we kind of countered that, because that can be especially if you're used to working in like a fast-paced, iterative, get feedback on what I'm doing environment, that can be very troubling early on in the web. If you're not charting an SEO or the viral stuff you're trying to do isn't working, it can feel like you're flailing. And for us, a big part of what we did was we said, okay, what's the big picture things that we know we want on the web? And we knew that we wanted to be able to set 
you know, set big important stakes in the ground around SEO. We wanted fans to be able to find the merch that they're looking for via Google. We wanted them, you know, to, we wanted it to be shareable and have the ability to go viral via social. And we need to, you know, we need to set this thing up so that we have rich pins and cards and Facebook product tags and Google product tags and all these things. And, you know, and then three, we want it to be, a, you know, a, a good, a good baseline quality experience for the user. We don't want like this hacky, horrible thing out there. And it turns out that, that was like, you know, that's probably six or nine months worth of work to like get all three of those things done. And for the first few several months, like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, like nothing happened. And you're like, you know, you're like running, you're running through the dark and you're like, wow, is there anyone here? Like, what is like, really? <laughs> and then you're like six months in and like a few things are happening, but not that much. And, you know, I think, you know, it's one of the, you know, one of the places where we really had to, you know, have conviction for the things we were doing, have insight from, you know, friends and pros. I mean, you know, I mean, I bounce this off you probably, you know, every other week during this time, right? I have, you know, other friends that are investors or advisors in the company that I was, you know, wanted to make sure we're going on the right track because, you know, some things you, you just have to have the faith that they're going to work out in the end and you just have to grind through it as, as quickly as you can. And, and it turns out we were right. You know, all three of those things have been, you know, core things for us that have, you know, really helped, you know, the, the Google, you know, the Google juice, Google distribution is a, is a really, you know, kind of nice portion of our business, especially on like the, you know, the longer tail things. We actually are like naming jackets. A lot of our partners, like we'll call a hoodie a zippered sweatshirt, but we like, we'll recognize that and call it a hoodie so the fans can find it. Um, you know, we have a, you know, really like engaged, you know, fans sharing the merch that they find on social networks. And, and now I think our experience is pretty damn good, but, um, but, you know, it was a long time of none of that. And I think that's, you know, the blessing and the curse of the web is it's like, you can do anything. It's like, yeah. what, are, what are you going to do? It's like, I, it's like being hungry in a supermarket. I used to work at a supermarket and be like, God, what am I going to have for lunch? <laughs> the, it's uh, like that. <laughs> the, I, I, I think that there's. The native has such amazing conversion post potential, specifically around monetization and user experience. And the web still has all the scale. And mobile web, like you said, just has not married those two things yet. And at some point, someone's going to come along, and it could be someone like Merch Bar, or it could be someone like Shopify, who figures that out, and it's going to blow the roof off the entire world. You know, everything's going to change. Well, Carter... <laughs> I would I would put my money on merch bar. I, you know, we I actually did. <laughs> You did. Yes, you did. Um we you know, we are actually obsessed with I mean, literally that entire tirade I just went on. I'm really talking about mobile web. We from the beginning, I mean, I I think about desktop as an afterthought. We purposely internally write everything. It's not click-through rate, it's tap-through rate. We try to beat it into everyone, mobile, 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 all the time. We get 85% of our visitors are on mobile. We're doing a majority of conversions on mobile now. Um, I don't see that number going anywhere but up. So we are obsessed with it. It's the default view that we have for the web is mobile. Um, and... And I think you're right. Um, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity there with, you know, with Apple Pay coming out on the web this summer or the, this fall. We're super excited about that. Um, you know, I think there still are several sea change moments for mobile to have happen, but it's there. And, and, 
and it's our job to, to figure out how to do it and, and capture those you know, little best practices and hammer them into every single, every single corner we can find. Because when you add them up, I mean, it really, you know, I mean, I don't think there's that many e-commerce you know, people out there that are converting on highly as mobile as we are. And it's a huge advantage because that advantage ends up playing out through other channels. It helps you now on SEO. It helps you with SEM. It helps you with you know users wanting to discover and share your things virally, um, and, and and really like that's that's why it's such a crazy focus for us because it's kind of like this this hard afterthought that if you aren't focused on it, it's easy to forget about, not forget about, but I think some people are forgetting about it. But um, you know, it's it's a it's a piece that we keep looking for those wins. Uh, all the time, but agree. There's a there's a long way for it to go. One thing that happened recently with Merch Bar is a huge partnership with Spotify, and you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Spotify what, is it like a hundred million people? Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, the last uh, I think the last public numbers were a hundred million, uh, hundred million users. And so, a lot of people in the app business are starting to see the light in terms of connecting influencers, celebrities brands, whatever, with apps, right? And that, 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 that's a powerful partnership. I think what you guys have done is similar, but on a huge level. How has that partnership changed where you guys, the trajectory that you guys are going and, you know, the potential you guys now have? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a great partnership. It's multifaceted. Um, you know, these, you know, these partnerships are things that are that I think small companies should approach like with caution, mm. you know, because there's, you know, there's everyone can see the big side. Like I, anyone that's listening, just knowing what we just said, which is like Spotify has 100 million users and like we're their merch partner can connect the dots of like how awesome that is and why. Yeah. But like and, and it's only that awesome if the deal gets done. And, you know, the deals take a long time and you have to, you know, I think the first check and the reason I think why this Spotify partnership is such a good, good partnership is our interests are aligned. And at the highest level, what we're both trying to do is, is the same thing, which is like unlock, you know, new opportunities for artists, you know, labels, management teams, merch companies and fans to like just discover and buy these things from these artists that they love. And that if, you know, Spotify has different reasons for wanting it than we do, but if we're aligned on that higher level, that's going to, like, actually make it worth the months and months of, like, negotiating a contract with lawyers and paying lawyers and things like that with these guys because that higher level, like, agreement and alignment is there. And I think, you know, for companies that don't have the resources to do it um, or, or don't know that it's hugely risky um, if you aren't already like and in the position to be able to do that um, but you know now that it's now that it's done now that it's up and running I mean it's changed you know everything you know about the business everything's going faster you know as, as a marketplace we are working with you know it's actually you know it's a two-sided marketplace but with this really important third party like Spotify they're obviously helping us reach a lot a lot of new consumers uh, it's a great growth channel for us. Um, we're learning a lot about, you know, the, the the consumer demand and consumer, you know, listening behavior and things like that. Um, on the supplier side, you know, we're meeting a lot of new companies that want to have their merch listed on uh, Spotify and, you know, by virtue of that, listed on Merch Bar, which, as it, you know, it, it, that makes everything better for everyone. The more artists we 
have, the better it is for fans. The more fans we have, the better it is for artists. And you know that kind of marketplace flywheel really keeps moving. And it's um, it's been great working with those guys uh, at Spotify because they, you know, they get it. And they're also, you know, they are a gigantic company, but you know, either individually or you know from the from the company perspective, you know, they weren't. They weren't that small that long ago, or they were part of a smaller company, and they, you know, they understand. I think some of the, you know, some of the things that we'll need or that we did need to um, to be able to make this happen as a, uh, you know, as a small, fast-growing company. It doesn't mean we're like aligned on everything, um, but uh, you know, but we we find ways to get through it. And and overall, it's you know absolutely been worth the, uh, you know, the the investment um, that it took to get the. Get the partnership, uh, you know, together with all the uh, the legal teams around the world. Um. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. With one, you know, one thing that I've seen firsthand. I mean, for anyone out there, we've we've been sharing office for I don't even know two or three years now, and so I've been able to see, uh, you know, get to know the team, meet the team, see how the company's been going, at least tangentially, just from being around you guys a lot. How is your day-to-day or at least your role in the company changed as your team has grown and as it continues to grow? Yeah. You know, I think one way it hasn't changed is a really important one for me versus my last company and the other places that I worked previously was from the beginning, I sought to hire people and build a team that I wasn't going to have to check on or worry about in that I don't need to be the, the sole person like with this responsibility of like, is this good enough? Is this right? Um, which is an easy trap to fall into as someone that's like deeply passionate about these things and was very lucky very early on to, you know, have my partner, John on the business side to have Aston, uh, Aston Motes, who, uh, is on the tech side, who was the first employee at Dropbox. I mean, he's just like, um, you know, a monster, um, to have, to have people like that on board that, you know, there were tons of decisions from the beginning that were being made without me. Um, and I think it's very hard to switch the culture and like personal behavior of a company afterwards to like, Teach yourself to get out of the loop when you're used to being in the loop on everything. Mm. Um, and that's that, I think, was one huge thing that I'm really glad happened early in the company. I don't know if all the team members would say that I'm out of the loop as much as I think I am, but I'm but it's it's a significant improvement over the um, over the previous things that I done that I've done as the company has changed, as the company's grown, um, you know, there's tons of different stuff. I mean, the core job of a CEO, one of my advisors and mentors and, and investors in the company, um, Seth Nyman, you know, told me he beats this into me all the time. He's like, the CEO has three roles. It's deploy capital, set direction, and communicate vision. Like, that's it. That's all you're supposed to do, except you're supposed to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, a, as, as person number one starting your own thing, you like have to do those three things and then everything else. And then over time, you start pairing those things off, whether it's customer service or, you know, managing the customer service team, you know, daily, uh, whether it's, you know, making all the product decisions, whether it's day-to-day management of the roadmap, whether it's, you know, those things. And, and basically, like, looking for, you know, the right structure to kind of take those, that decision-making um, and, and, and leverage people on the team to do those things. So, 
you know, I always try to keep that high level perspective, but then also find that, you know, there's many times just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to grind through this. Like, oh, this, this thing needs to be done. These 45 images need to be made for the newsletter. Great. I'll, I'll fire up Photoshop. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, you know, the focus is trying to do less and less of that and more of the, more of the helping the people on the team do and, and have the specific things that they need to get their, uh, you know, to get their kind of world aligned. Got it. That's, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's everything is not only managing the systems, but also setting up a company that is built on systems. You know, I think, you, it, like you said, you can't, you can't switch it after the fact. It's got to, or at least the precedent needs to be set early on. Um, a couple more questions, and then uh, we'll get your contact info, and then we'll... We'll do a follow-up, obviously, uh, in November in San Francisco, which I'm, I'm super excited about. One, uh, what's your favorite piece of merchandise right now on Merch Bar, other than Merch Bar, you know, product, uh, <laughs> company merch? <laughs> we actually, Carter, you just let the cat out of the bag. We have not announced that we're opening a Merch Bar store on Merch Bar, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you this for that. I appreciate it. That's it. Yeah. This is what that, this is what happens when you share uh, share an office with someone and and you're like Ed that's an amazing merch bar shirt and you just <laughs> casually mention to all of the thousands of people on on your podcast that we're <laughs> launching a store. Thanks, Carter. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the one that has been you know drilled into me. It should be my favorite. Uh, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys has released a limited edition bronze bust. Of himself. Wow. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, we just moved offices, and the team has made it very clear that that bust will be part of our new office. So actually, <laughs> last night I went online, I bit the bullet, and bought a bronze bust of Brian Wilson. So wow. can't wait to get that in the office next time you're over. You'll have to give it a little polish. <laughs> Definitely. If uh, last question, if you were giving a graduation speech at Stanford or you know UNH or whatever. What would the title of your speech be? Oh man, title of the speech. Well, don't don't let, you know, don't make me like give you the actual title. But I think, you know, I'm really focused on challenging people on our team and outside of our team about the things that they don't know and the level of like certainty that people have about the things that they think they know. And that there's all these kind of, you know, tropes or like sayings or things like this that we frequently don't challenge. And, you know, I would definitely like dig into something around that. Like, you know, something like know what you don't know, but like going a step further because we find, you know, we use a lot of shorthand in business that I think gets in the way of deeper insight and discovery and that the only way to get around that is to be just like really direct about those things. So it'd probably be something on a... Uh, on those lines. Yeah, I think that's I think that's huge. Ed, how can people learn more about Merch Bar and you know learn more about you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Merch Bar uh, in the App Store right now. It's uh, it's Friday, so we just just saw we're on the front page of the music section again. You can find us position one, row two of uh, of banners, small banners in the music section, the App Store in the U.S. Uh, you can check us out at MerchBar.com. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at Aten, at A-T-E-N, um, or hit me up on Facebook, which is Facebook slash Edward Aten. Um, would love to, uh, love to get in touch. I know, Carter, I know, I know you're network of hustlers, so uh, 
look forward to uh, meeting some of these guys. Awesome. In, yeah. in November in person too. It'll be great. Absolutely. Ed, thank you so much for your time, man. And this was, this was awesome and helpful. And yeah, we're super pumped about November and, and getting in touch. Cool. Thanks, buddy. This has been another episode of the Blue Cloud Podcast. For more information on app development, ebooks, reliable source codes, and more, expand your mobile knowledge by going to bluecloudsolutions.com.